0: is taken from Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 to 18 After all this God tested Abraham God said Abraham Yes answered Abraham I'm listening He said take your son Isaac whom you love and go to the land of Moriah Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will point out to you. Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took his two young servants and his son Isaac. He had split wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place God had directed him. On the third day he looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham told his two young servants, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to his son Isaac to carry. He carried the flint and the knife, and the two of them set off together. Isaac said to Abraham his father, Father? Yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham said, Son, God will see to it that there's a sheep for the burnt offering. And they kept on walking together. They arrived at the place to which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar, he laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Just then an angel of God called to to him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. Abraham looked up. He saw a ram caught by its thorns, horns in a thicket. Abraham took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place God-yera, god Yera. God-Sees to it. That's where we get the saying, On the mountain of God, he sees to it. The angel of God spoke from heaven a second time to Abraham. I swear, God's sure word, because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. And I'll make sure that your children flourish like stars in the sky, like sand on the beaches, and your descendants would defeat their enemies. All nations on earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you, Mandy. And now Lynn will bring us our second reading. Our second reading
2: comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning to read from verse 26. And it's entitled, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns, until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lynn. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John chapter 15, reading from verse 1, from the message translation. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back, so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is deadwood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Would you please be seated as Mandy comes to the pulpit.
0: To be with grown ups this morning. (laughs) Um, It's actually our first day. We're live. We've got Push in the paddock. They've got a bonfire out there of some sort. So it ties in with the reading and fires quite well. They're making s'mores very safely and Covid securely, apparently. Uh, Anyway, when I was looking at these readings um, a few weeks ago, the word that kept coming to my mind as I was looking at them was the word surrender. And we're going to look at the stories of Abraham and Philip and then we're going to, and how they surrendered to God. And then we're going to look at the Gospel and see how that ties in with our lives today. The story of Abraham that we heard is a very familiar one. Abraham, as you will remember, was um, sent by God many years beforehand to leave his home and the place he knew and to move to the promised land that God was going to give him. He went, moved to a foreign land. And he got up and did that willingly. He then turns, by the time he's 75, um, he's getting quite old, as is his wife Sarah, and sadly they've not had any children. But God promises that he is going to give him a son and descendants that would be more numerous than stars in the sky or sand on the seashore, which... Is a surprise at the age of 75, um, but good news for them. However, they have to wait another 25 years before Isaac arrives, which is a long, long time. So Abraham is 100 when this precious child finally arrives and God's promise is fulfilled. Which must have made this command from God even more surprising when a few years later, Um, Isaac by this time is a a boy, we don't know how old, we'll say he's eight or nine, he's obviously walking and talking and carrying wood. Um, God calls to Abraham and he calls out to him, Abraham, and the reading says, immediately Abraham says, yes, I'm listening. That's our first point today. Abraham was always listening for God's voice, which becomes vitally important in this story. God asks him, take your son, your dear, dear son, who you love, and sacrifice him. I cannot imagine what Abraham was thinking. And we don't know what he was thinking. We don't know if he discussed it with Sarah. I suspect he didn't because um, this passage would be very long and probably the next bit wouldn't happen. There would have been quite a domestic going on, I think, if he said, I think God's telling me to do this. So I suspect she doesn't know. But the response of Abraham is this. The next morning, Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took Isaac, and off he goes. He obeys the command. Even though his heart must be breaking, he must be in absolute turmoil. Why is God asking him to do this? He does it. The parallels between Jesus and Abraham and Isaac in this story, there's there's quite a few of them. A couple I want to pull out. As they've left the servants behind and they're climbing this mountain, it is Isaac, the sacrifice, the unknowing sacrifice, who is carrying the wood for the sacrifice. Just as Jesus began to carry his cross to Golgotha, we know he had help in the end, but he begins to carry the cross he's going to be sacrificed on. And Abraham will have been walking that walk with a very heavy heart. Again, a little bit like Jesus in that Garden of Gethsemane, when he's praying to God and saying, is there any other way? And the resounding answer from God is, no. No, there isn't. And Jesus goes through with his sacrifice and his complete surrender to his Father's will and also his will. He wants to restore and save all people forever. So he goes through with it. Thankfully for Abraham, this story has a different ending. But it is an emotionally charged walk. Imagine his heart when his son says, Where's the ram? We've got the wood. Looking forward to the fire, Dad. Where's the sacrifice? And oh gosh, it must have been just can't imagine what it was like for him. But he carries on being obedient to the point where he's about to sacrifice Isaac. And thankfully, he is still listening out for God's voice. So that when the angel calls out, Stop, don't touch him, Abraham is listening. And, of course, he is obedient. God's response to this act of surrender is to say that because you have gone through this with me and you have not refused to give me your dear son, who you love, I'll bless you. Oh, how I will bless you. And not just Abraham, his descendants and people through his descendants because he obeys God. Abraham is willing to sacrifice the person, the one thing, that is more important than anything else to him in this world, and to obey God. Our second story is of Philip and the Ethiopian official. And it runs along similar lines, in a way, at the start, because, again, Philip is listening out for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So at the start, it says that the Holy Spirit tells him, get up and go to the Jerusalem Gaza Road. And it says, next verse, Philip gets up and goes. Straight away, no discussion. He may well, like us, have got up that morning and had a list of jobs to do. Um, Maybe he was preaching, maybe he was doing some baptism, maybe he was doing a discipleship course, maybe he was shopping or cutting the grass, I don't know. But he would have had a list of things to do. But all that goes out the window when the Holy Spirit says, go to this road, and he goes. He sees a chariot and the Holy Spirit says, go over to that chariot. And again, as well, actually says Philip ran up to it. Now, if that was me, I think I'd have been, oh, is God really saying that? And I might have sort of started to sidle up to it, but I might have been quite slow and waiting to see if there was going to be a bit more of an obvious clue. But no, Philip just recognises the sound of the Holy Spirit's voice and runs up to this chariot, where he gets into conversation with this official, who is already... Um, reading the scriptures he's reading from Isaiah about the prophecies about Jesus Philip takes the opportunity starts talking to him before we know it this official is being baptised in some water they happen to be passing and wow as a new new convert to Christianity to following Jesus and he's going to then go back to Ethiopia and presumably tell people there so it's a fantastic story But the interesting thing is that he was already reading the scriptures. And I suspect there were other people before Philip who'd been sowing seeds of interest and this man was starting to wonder about this God. He wanted to find out more. He was hungry for answers, so much so that he asks a complete stranger, can you understand this? Come up here and explain it to me. He already had that hunger. And in fact, Philip was obeying the Holy Spirit, but he was actually just joining in with what God was already doing in this Ethiopian's life. And because he had surrendered his agenda for the day and his priorities for that day, he was able to join it and enjoy the blessings of watching this man um, turn to Christ. And I think for a lot of us, often we are just um, part of the the plan, aren't we? we? We might not see the glorious conversion but we might see little glimpses of things or just play our part along the way. A few weeks ago I was um, out with a friend walking and we'd spent about two hours chattering non-stop. We get to the end and we're saying goodbye on a street corner and guess what, we're there about another half an hour <laughs> saying goodbye and talking. And while we were there, this, um, I was aware that there was a lady across the road and she kept looking across at us a bit hesitantly and she was sort of looking very anxious, she was wringing her hands. She looked quite nervous. And eventually she crossed the road and stood still at a distance from us. And I called across to her and said, Are you OK? Do you need any help? And she came over and started talking to us. And she was, she'd had a vaccine for COVID, but she was worried about it. And she'd had discussions with family and they were telling her other things. And she was concerned about whether it was the right thing to do. And so she's asking us, have you had the vaccine? So we said, yes, we've had it. And we were chatting and trying to reassure her and calm her nerves, really. And as we came to the end of the conversation, I said to her, where do you live? Do you live locally? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, oh, well, we both live locally. And we've met each other and are friends because we go to St Paul's Church. And I told her, oh, yes, I know the one on the corner. And I said to her, I'd love to pray for you, for God to give you peace, because you seem so anxious and I know that God can, can calm that, your, calm your fears, and he can give you peace. And I offered to pray for her there and then. She didn't want me to pray for her there, but she was very happy to give me her name and allow me to pray for her when I came home. We said goodbye. It was all fine. And, and off she went. Now, I didn't baptise her in a local puddle or anything else. Um, I didn't convert her, I w- but I may have been another little brick in the building blocks that the holy spirit is using to speak to her i don't know what's going to happen to her next maybe somebody else will come along and when she's in her chariot they'll run up to her and they'll do a philip i don't know but it's just it was a small thing but it's just all of us every encounter can be significant an interruption in our day can be significant for philip his day was completely changed And I think God dropped him off somewhere else, didn't he? I can't remember where he went. But God was moving him around in all sorts of places. But he he seized that moment and recognised it was a God opportunity. And God used him in it. So there we are. Moving on to the vine then, just before we finish. Jesus says, live in me. Make your home in me, just as I am in you in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself but only by being joined to the vine you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me I am the vine and you are the branches when you're joined with me and I with you the harvest is sure to be abundant now I don't have a vine I have got a little tomato plant (laughs) now I cut a bit off this earlier, because I did talk at 8 o'clock this morning. Just do a little... Let Dave do a little close-up of the tomato plant. Um, I cut this off only two hours ago, and it is already starting to wither. This bit here is not going to produce me any tomatoes. I should think another couple of hours, and it will be very, very sorry for itself. This bit, on the other hand, if it stays all connected in, will hopefully in, I don't know, a few months' time, maybe I'll be picking tomatoes from it. But the point is, if it's not attached, it can do nothing. And we are the same. We have to stick close to Jesus. If we don't stick close to him and keep connected to his Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We're ineffective. We need to stick close to the source. We need to live surrendered lives, a bit like Abraham and Philip did. They trusted God, they listened for his voice, they obeyed it and the blessings flowed from it. They knew that God was the ultimate authority, that he was the captain of their lives, that he had the captain's hat and he was steering their course and they completely surrendered and let him do that. And we are called to a life of surrender too. Our surrender is almost like a heart's response to all that Jesus has done for us and that we willingly want to give all that we have. The songs this morning said it perfectly. Um, You're worthy of it all. I've been reading a book recently called Why Worship, written by a number of worship leaders. It was connected in with the Spring Harvest teaching this year. And there's a chapter on surrender, and they talk about four areas of our lives that we should constantly be looking at and seeing how can I give more of this to God and allow him to be in control rather than myself and I think we might have a slide to go up with them on there we are Um, so the first one is people now in the readings today obviously Isaac was a person who Abraham was very full of the world of, but he was willing to surrender him For us, it might be relationships. Maybe some are healthier than others. Maybe we need to look at those. It could be anything. Maybe we need to let somebody go who needs to go. Um, But people is the first one. The second one is possessions. God is sovereign over all things, and that includes my things and your things. It might be some of our material possessions that we even need to share, or at least hold loosely, and maybe be willing to give up or give away. It might not be a possession. It might be um, a position you're in or a title you have or a feeling of status or something. It could be anything. But we need to be willing to offer it to God. The third one is priorities. We've already talked about Philip. I try, I don't remember this every day, but I've been trying this year when I wake up in the morning to offer God my day. I often have a list of meetings and jobs that need doing around the house and work-wise as well. But to say to God, actually, but it's yours. And if there's something you want me to do or a conversation that I might be going to have on my way somewhere or if my agenda for the day completely changes because of an interruption, a bit like the lady we saw. She was, in a sense, an interruption. But I was so pleased that I stopped and said, spoke to her. Those interruptions can often be... God's way into our day and the final one is pleasures where our time goes it flies by doesn't it Uh, and again God loves us to have leisure time and to enjoy time out and away from the busyness of life there's nothing wrong with that but again it's just looking at where are we spending our time where are we investing our time do we need to consider whether we are actually allowing God to be at the centre of that. The blessing of living a surrendered life to God and knowing you are where he wants you to be and doing what he wants you to be doing is amazing. I'm sure we've all had those moments where you've just thought, this is exactly why I'm meant to be here. I'm meant to be here for this moment. I've had quite a few of those moments and it's just the best feeling in the world when you just know you're where God wants you, saying what he wants you to say, doing what he wants you to do. When we had the prayer time uh, earlier, I felt God saying, he's probably saying it to me, don't be scared, trust me. And it can be scary giving up control. I'm certainly somebody who likes to know, I like everything to be organised, I like to know what I'm doing, who I'm doing it with, where I'm going, how it's happening, I like it, all the boxes to be ticked. God's plans aren't always like that, I'd love it if they were, I'd love it if he just sent me a little list and i tick, 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 you've yeah, done all those, what next? But it doesn't work like that. And we need to be able to say, like Abraham and Philip, I trust you with everything. I surrender all. I surrender everything. And then we get to live the best life. And we're not doing it on our own. We've got the Holy Spirit. Abraham, I don't know if he had that or not, Bim, but you have to explain later. But he didn't have it the way we do. He didn't have the Holy Spirit leading us. We've only got that because of Jesus. We have this huge bonus with us. It doesn't need to be scary, we just need to trust him. I'm going to finish by praying, and we're going to leave the slide up so that we can have a look at it. And I'll give you a minute just to have a look at that, those points um, as we pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his surrendered life. He didn't just give it up on the cross, he gave up the glories of heaven to live amongst us for 33 years, amongst all of our mess. And we thank you for him and for all that he's done for us. Help us to stick close to Jesus, to stay connected in with you. And help us take away the fear we might have and open our eyes to see where you would like us to surrender to you. And as we, for, for a moment, just look at this slide and think about the people, your possessions, priorities and pleasures. Is there somewhere that God wants to speak to you this morning? Father, we pray that as you continue to speak to us as we go from here, that we will continue to trust you and to obey you and to remember that all things come from you and of your own do we give you. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary.